Hello, and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Liam McEwen, and today with us, we have Eric Horn, the news editor for The Athletic. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Liam, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, of course, I'm happy to, always happy to have on people from The Athletic. I've interviewed a lot of your coworkers for this particular series, and I, you guys always have really good stories. So, Eric, as always, we're just going to get started here with a pretty simple question, nice and open-ended. Uh, how about you just kind of take us through your sports media journey from uh, when you first realized that this was the industry that you wanted to be in to how you ended up where you are now with The Athletic? Oh, man, that's a... I'll try and be as concise as possible. I mean, um, <laughs> when I was in high school, I wanted I wanted to write about sports. Um, I, I always played sports growing up, soccer, baseball, basketball. And, um, you know, I was always the kid that, you know, early in the morning, the first thing I'd do is I'd go check the paper for all the prep scores and uh, the all-district and the all-state teams and who are, like, the best players coming up in my area when I was growing up in Louisiana because I wanted to be one of those guys. Uh, you know, probably from about the age of 15 or 16, I figured out pretty early just from reading the Times-Picayune that that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to write about sports. And um, from there, you know, getting an internship late in my college career, kind of kind of screwed around a little bit and didn't get started the way I should have, uh, the way that a lot of sports journalists uh, are today. They get started earlier in, in college. But you know, I got a I got an internship late in my college career with a sports weekly in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's called Score Atlanta, and you know at the time it was kind of building up, but now they have a really good presence in Atlanta, and that was my opportunity to kind of you know get some college credit and write for free, um, and just get clips because I just didn't have any experience. Um, I was just writing about I started writing about preps for them, and um, the cool part about that was. The, the founder of the company, he was a guy who used to write for the AJC. His name was IJ Rosenberg, and he was a columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So he branched off, he broke off from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to start that organization. Mm-hmm. And that, we were credentialed. And we were a bunch of kids just running around Atlanta, like credentialed for all these events that we otherwise wouldn't be credentialed for. So, you know, that was my first exposure to like NBA locker rooms, NFL locker rooms. Um, and, and being able to be around it. And, and that was really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I worked as a prep editor, I worked as a prep writer, um, and then finally built up enough clips to where I could man, out and I sent it everywhere. Um, you know, and uh, I ended up getting a job at a small newspaper in Ardmore, Oklahoma. And that's where I wrote about sports. I wrote about preps and, and small colleges for, for five years, and I was a sports editor there as well. And then, you know, I, I I get to a point to where my dad starts griping at me and saying, you need to go to conventions and meet people. And uh, <laughs> and this is all stuff I should have done early in my career. So then I finally, um, you know, save up enough money to where I can go to the National Association of Black Journalists Convention. Um, and then I go to a sports breakfast there and Mark Spears is talking, who now works for ESPN. And you know, who, who's, you know, the kind of the, at the front of the undefeated. And uh, he's talking at this breakfast and I'm like, I want to introduce myself to this guy. So I walk up to him and I'm like, Hey, my name is Eric Horn. I'm a sports editor from Ardmore. Uh, I work in Ardmore, Oklahoma, just this small town. And I don't say 10 words to the guy 
And he's like, you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to this guy. And I'm like, man, this dude's blowing me off. This is crazy. But he's not blowing me off. He's, he's directing me to the person I need to talk to. Mm-hmm. And the guy that he directs me to, his name is Joe Sullivan. He was the editor of the Boston Globe. Okay. So I talked to Joe Sullivan for five minutes, and Joe wants to invite me to lunch. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we go to lunch, and we talk, and I tell him my whole story like I'm telling you now. Mm-hmm. And then he invites me. So then I go to dinner with all these guys that I'd never met before, but it was guys like Keith Pompey, who works for the Philly Inquirer covering the, uh, the 76ers. It's Tony Jones, who works for us at The Athletic now. At the time, he was covering Utah football for the Salt Lake Tribune, and now he covers the Jazz. It was this group of you know up-and-coming black writers, and basically – I, I guess we were we were just a part of this kind of like mini fraternity of guys who were trying to better ourselves in, in the business. And I was definitely the youngest and freshest of all of them. Mm-hmm. No idea what I was doing at the time, but I was making connections the way I should have been earlier in my career. So to try and wrap it up, everything starts moving rapidly from there. My name gets passed on to a sports editor at the Oklahoman, Mike Sherman. I become the sports web editor at the Oklahoman in 2013. I do that for two years. And then I become a Thunder beat writer, which I did for uh, four years for the Oklahoman and then a year for the Athletic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in a span of like seven years, everything moved really quickly. But before that, it was kind of like this five-year process of like getting to the right people and finding the right people that could get me kind of fast-tracked. But um, I don't regret it one bit of it because Every place I've been has been an experience and, and, and a learning experience in terms of how to connect with people, how to report, how to write, how to do layout, how to edit, how to um, be an assignment editor, um, how to talk your ideas out, how to how to construct stories, how to, um, you know, develop relationships with players and, and coaches and agents and communications departments. And like I've gotten the gamut, man, and it's been really fun. And uh, uh, it, it's been a, it's been a really cool experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that sounds like, you know, even it's if a long story, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You took a quarter of the time that some of the people I have on this podcast to tell your story. It wasn't long at all. You're good. No, nah, well, I mean, I'm 34. So it's a, uh, it's not as long of a story as I guess somebody who's a little older. So yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Nice and young. You still got plenty of years ahead of you. Um, yeah. So that sounds like a lot like, you know, you're, you know, like you said, you jumped around a little bit before, you know, didn't get started as early as a lot of the other journalists. But generally speaking, journalism is kind of about that process that you talked about as far as, you know, being able to do all sorts of different things. And then most importantly, it's about who you know and the connections that you make. So kind of on that vein, you know, you said you were a prep writer over for the score in Atlanta, but you said you had some, you did some pro stuff with them. So did that kind of like help prepare you for when you made that jump to like NBA locker rooms when you started covering the Thunder for the Oklahoman? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was still really there. There was so much time being in those situations. It was kind of like starting, but I'd been around it a little bit. And frankly, when I was young, I was really scared, man. Like I didn't know how to approach these guys. Like I didn't know. I would just kind of stand there and be in awe that I was in the same place as these guys, and I didn't know what I was looking for. And even when I got to, you know, the Oklahoman, it was a little too in terms of you know where I go what's the what's the etiquette about stuff like you know you can't take still photos in in locker rooms things like that Mm -hmm. um but I do remember when I was with score 
um, I was, I think I was covering a Hawks game and they played the Suns and that's when Grant Hill was on the Suns and I was really starstruck by Grant Hill and I wanted to talk to him for uh, about the Hawks and, and, you know, their development. Cause this is when the Hawks were kind of up and coming and young and um, they Johnson, Josh Smith, Josh Childress, mm. uh, Al Horford. They were, they were kind of just breaking into, you know, coming into themselves. And I think it was maybe like eight uh, when they played that series against the Celtics and they, they kind of made their first playoff appearance in a long time. So I walk up to Grant Hill this season and I'm just like awestruck by the guy. And again, I don't know the etiquette. I don't know how this stuff works. So this guy's like getting dressed and he's like, Hey, can you hang on for a second? Like I'm putting my clothes on. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, I'm like 21, 22. I don't know what's going on. So I take a couple steps back and like, right when he's ready to talk to me, he's like, okay, I'm ready now. Like as soon as he's getting ready to talk to me, Steve Nash passes by and he's walking out the locker room and like, this is like peak Steve, or pretty much peak Steve Nash. So I'm like, uh, like I'm kind of like, what? I'm like totally distracted. I'm like, what? What do I do? So I'm like, oh, I gotta like gather myself again. And then I talked to Grant Hill, who was very professional, nice to me despite my um, my my not knowing the rules. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of like learning that again once I got back into locker rooms, uh, pro locker rooms, because like with preps, you can just walk up to anybody, man. It's like you can. I mean, these guys, they want the attention. They, they, they want the coaches. You sit down and you can talk to them for hours. You can talk to these players as much as you want. And it's different. You have calls uh, with the pros and you got to kind of develop those relationships because a lot of those cross the way that, you know, preps or college guys do because they've got a lot of people asking them for stuff all the time. So it was a learning experience. And, and um, it, it was cool to get back into it after, you know, not being around it for a while and, you know, kind of growing – roll over you know a five-year span definitely and so what's interesting about the uh the score especially to me is like your kind of your jumping off point for your journalist career is that you said that it's started by one of the guys who used to write at the AJC so it's like yeah. kind of a traditional news outlet sort of but it doesn't sound like it was you know it's not a newspaper like the Oklahoman so as far as what you did there and how kind of adjusting to that more traditional newspaper style like at the Oklahoman I mean how did that compare you know, it was actually like a really good learning ground because we had to, we, you know, we had a lot of autonomy, but at the same time, we had to do the things that you do in a newspaper. It was a weekly newspaper, but, you know, throughout the week, we had to balance whatever we were doing, whether it was school or our jobs, like our full-time jobs, in addition to, you know, reporting on high school sports, going to games, um, and then on the weekends, we would come into the office and we would edit. So. You know, I had to learn how to, de- to how to allocate my time and how to properly, you know, when to call people and, you know, to be diligent about getting people on the phone and to, you know, really learn how, how long it takes me to put together stories and how long it takes me to put together information. Like, and this was, I guess this was 2006, 2007, probably like a year and a half span or two year span. And this was like early internet. So st- not, not, not early internet from the standpoint of the internet existing, but early internet from the standpoint of like people having dedicated sites to like prep football where scores were coming in. This was pre-Twitter uh, or pre-Twitter boom. So you didn't have a lot of information that you could just like readily consume quickly to get your stuff done. So it would take me so long to put together these prep packages for these schools. It would take me almost like an entire week or like almost like, 
a whole Saturday if I was slacking because I had to take care of some other stuff in my life. So it really taught me how to like manage my time. And it really taught me how to um, work with other people, uh, how to say, how to, how to be a team player and say like, Hey, I need a number for this guy. Or, Hey, do you know this guy? Um, and this was, it was really important to my development because this was a person in IJ Rosenberg who was willing to walk with us while we made these mistakes and while we learned, because look, we weren't getting paid for this stuff. Mm. So while it was a sacrifice on our part that we weren't getting paid, we were also being granted the ability and the trust to do things that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do if we were like a, I don't know, an intern at like a newspaper somewhere where we might be getting somebody's coffee or we might be, you know, just maybe just editing copy or something like that. Uh, we, we were, we were given a lot of, you know, just kind of ability and, and, and training on the run. And I think that that helped me immensely. So by the time I started applying to actual papers, you know, I had a full resume of things that I could show them. I could, I could show them the versatility of things that I've done and I mean, it wasn't easy to get my first real full-time job, but at the same time, when I got it, I wasn't overwhelmed. Yeah, it certainly seemed like a trial by fire at the score for, you know, pretty much all of your coworkers, but especially for you, since you didn't really have any sort of traditional internship or anything like that leading in. No, yeah, no, it was cool. It was, um, it was great. And then the, the biggest thing for me that helped me really grow as a professional was after I did about a year with SCORE Atlanta, um, from from uh, the start of my internship as a senior to, um, I guess maybe it was like that summer of 2017, 20, 2007, after I graduated from college, mm-hmm. they brought me on and said, hey, like, we want you to be a prep editor. And they brought me on part-time, and I was basically in charge of Fulton County, which is one of the biggest counties in, in, uh, in Atlanta. It was about, you know, we, we covered about like maybe 15 to 18 like high schools. Mm-hmm. And what I was afforded to do was the interns that they brought on, I had, you know, three or four interns underneath me. So not only was I the, the editor now, you know, it was up to me to work to get photographs. It was up to me to delegate, um, you know, schools in terms of coverage. Uh, to keep in contact with writers in terms of the the copy coming in, to edit their copy, um, to, you know, assign stories. And I was doing all of this while I was, like, working my full-time job. I was working retail at a soccer shop. Um, And I was also doing a little, like, nanny work on the side where I was, like, driving, you know, this 12-year-old kid around Atlanta to, like, go to, like, all of his events and, like, all of his soccer games and stuff. So I'm working, like, three jobs at one time. But – I didn't realize it at the time, like through all of this stress and all of the things that I was going through, I was preparing myself. I got to be, you know, farther down the road in terms of being an editor because I was putting myself through kind of this shock, this, 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 the kind of the rigors of having to delegate and, and talk to people and have those difficult discussions about, you know, what needs to improve or or how we need to be better about, um, getting stories in quicker so we can hit our deadlines and stuff. And I was, I was, I guess I was maybe 21 years old or um, in that range when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So that experience, even though that was 
good gracious, I guess 13 to 12 years ago, it really set me up for the rest of my career, man. And it's like, it made me understand not just as an editor, what goes into writing, but as a writer, what goes into editing. And I think that if you have both perspectives, it makes it easier when you become an editor or become a writer to work with the person you're working with because you understand all the components that go into what that does. If you're only a writer, you don't understand fully the editing component and having to deal with different personalities and having to understand how to talk to different writers and how to motivate different writers. If you're only an editor, you kind of forget that that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of deadline. That's a lot of, you know, you need to offer your writers the, the comfort of, look, it's going to be okay. Get to this when you get to this. And you need to assure them that, Hey, this is more important than this. Let's focus on this. So they don't get sidetracked and worry about something that's not essential to what you're trying to accomplish as a team. So that experience young helped me, um, immeasurably throughout the rest of my career uh, in terms of, you know, regardless of whatever role I was taking on at the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being able to understand the different parts of the business is obviously a great way to be able to stick around in business. Yeah. Being a writer and editor is a huge part of that. And that kind of leads us naturally into your, you were just, you uh, recently announced that you're moving into an editor position at The Athletic after spending a year as the Thunderbeat writer, like you said. And now that was what you were just talking about, all the editing stuff that you were doing. That was at the very beginning of your career. And now you're in the middle of your career and you're launching back into this editor role so kind of on the verge of that you know how are you feeling about it launching into it with all those years of experience behind you now yeah it's great because you know I've every place I've been actually over the past 12 years I've had I've, I've done a little bit of both um, you know I've, I've, I've been an editor with the Oklahoman uh, on our digital side I was an editor at the Ardmorite in Ardmore, Oklahoma, where I, where I was there for five years and we did really good work for a small paper, just a two-man operation, um, and then with SCORE. So I've done it at almost every level you can possibly do it um, at every pace. And it's kind of, it, it, it's kind of funny when, when you're asked about it and you think about the, 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 the breadth of your career, it's like, wow, you have done a lot of stuff. And sometimes you don't think to yourself like, oh, you haven't done, you, you think you haven't done anything, whatever. But you're like, no, you've done a lot of stuff, man. So like, <laughs> it's, it's cool to, um, to be a part of what we're doing now, which is, you know, kind of a, not even cut, but it is our breaking news division. Mm. It's, it's rapid. It's quick fire. It's um, working with our writers to get, you know, analysis to people who need an entry point to the athletic. It's, um, you know, what we do is free. And basically what we do is, you know, kind of on a parallel of what, you know, a, a breaking news desk does at a place like ESPN mm-hmm. or Fox or Fox sports. And that, you know, we're sending a lot of press, we're sending a lot of um, push alerts and, and we're whipping up quick leads to get people in and out of the story, but to also get them into the analysis of our writers that they otherwise wouldn't get um, if they weren't a subscriber. So this is a free um, this is a free possibility to consume athletic content, but it also has links and entryways and in, in, in ways to go deeper into our stories that would require a paywall. But you're getting a taste of what we provide. And I think that it's been fun to work with so many different writers over the past couple of months as I've been kind of pulling double duty. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be even more fun that I can kind of fully concentrate on making 
this venture, you know, as, as, as full and as, as rich as it can be to get more people, you know, engaged in the athletic and get them more excited about it and, and, and become subscribers. Because I think that, you know, as you've seen, you know, three years or so, the progress that the athletics made in terms of bringing in people and telling really good stories, I think has been valuable for journalism. Um, so I, I, I'm grateful for this opportunity and I'm grateful to be able to kind of bring other people good stories and, and bring them into what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the athletic proves that there's still a place out there for people who can write really well and tell great stories. And it's always encouraging as a member of the industry to see that. What you were talking about is a really interesting line that you sort of have to toe between, you know, giving enough free content to people so that they will read whatever you're putting out, but also trying to draw them in. And I know that you say you've been playing double duty and sort of already kind of know what the process is for that. But I mean, now that you're launching into it as a full-time endeavor, how are you going to attack that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's something that we, we feel out differently every day, for instance, um, more and more. And and I, and I, I really kind of specialized with this at the Oklahoman, um, you know, kind of aggregating your own work and, and taking the reporting of your own writer or a feature of your own writers and kind of condensing that thing that you can give to somebody as a teaser without mm-hmm. stepping on the entire, the, what the, what the writer's delivering in their story. And that's the challenge. You want to, you want to entice someone to read what, what this, what this reporter has done and the, the great reporting that they've done, but you also don't want to give them everything that's in the story. So for instance, today we released a story from our Clippers writer, um, uh, Yovan Buha, where he um, wrote about kind of the, the internal strife of the Clippers, mm-hmm. how they're going forward, and just all of the all of the stuff that was involving Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the leadership dynamics that really broke that team down last year. Um, and we, you know, sometimes we get the stories in advance and we get a preview of the story and we read through it. And, you know, last night, one of my editors says, Hey, can you read through this and figure out, you know, a good way to lead into this? And I'm not saying I did it perfectly. As a matter of fact, it's something that, you know, I probably need to work on more, you know, trying to, you know, draw just enough out of our features and just enough out of our well-reported stories to be able to convey to people that this is something they need to read. And that's, that's a challenge that's going to be ongoing, you know? And I think that that, you know, as journalism has kind of evolved over time and people are retreating behind the paywall because it's necessary, uh, you know, one of the things that we discussed for so long when we were at the Oklahoman was, you know, a big mistake that newspapers made in the beginning of the internet was just giving stuff away. We gave all this, we gave all this content away for free and we conditioned everyone to think that this is something that they shouldn't have to pay for. And that's the challenge we've been fighting for the past 20 years. So that's a challenge that I'm going to have to face every day in terms of, you know, getting people to read our site, getting people interested in what we're trying to do while also not giving away what our writers are working so hard to accomplish every day. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's a fun challenge and it's fun to kind of flex your muscle and try and test yourself to, 
you know, make your product the best you can while also not destroying your industry at the same time. Oh, it's a fun dance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, but it's cool though, man. It's, um, it's fun and, you know, it's not just about writing too, but it's about, you know, leveraging your podcast the best way possible. Um, you know, leveraging your, your different tools have on your app and your site. You know, we have a short form tool, which, you know, essentially Twitter on our site, which allows people to, um, you know, our writers to go in, react to certain stuff that maybe not wouldn't require an entire take or an entire takeout rather. And then you could have other writers and, and people come in and react to their reaction. So it's kind of like we're trying to create a landing spot for sports. Um, not to necessarily take over any of these apps like Twitter or anything like that, but to give people an, 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 an in to our world, mm-hmm. make, make our subscribers in particular feel like, you know, I have access to something that's worth paying for because I'm getting all of this insight from people that, you know, I signed up to, to, to read about. And, and, and I think that, you know, so far it's been, it's been pretty cool to see the growth of that and, and the enthusiasm from the people that we work with has been really kind of uplifting for, for what, um, you know, for me going into this new venture. Absolutely. And then, I mean, we're talking, you know, the athletic is definitely a pioneer in that sort of sense from my view where you guys, what you guys specifically are trying to do with this and kind of towing that line of the paywall that we were talking about, but you are a relatively recent addition to the athletic and the big picture of things. You were hired a couple of years ago. So when you were make when you were making that move as like a reporter, when you decided to jump from the Oklahoma to with the athletic, what exactly appealed to you about it? Um, you know, I was at a point in my career where I wanted a little bit more flexibility in terms of how I covered a team. Um, the athletics always kind of put an emphasis on the bigger picture as opposed to like the minutia mm-hmm. of the day-to-day reporting. And, um, you know, I think that we can hit a little bit more on the minutia quickly, um, not just through the short form that I talked about, but tool. So some of that, some of how we report has evolved through the last year since I've come on. And I think it's been advantageous to our reporters who don't feel like who now they don't have to feel bad or from a personal standpoint, they don't have to feel bad if, they're not reporting on some guy who has a sprained ankle. They can just get in the short form and go bang, 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 sprained ankle, implications, move on, and then just keep focusing on a feature or keep focusing on something longer term that you want to focus on. Um, but this last year has been valuable for me from the standpoint of the athletic and the way that they want us to approach our reporting and our writing. I think it helped me to develop better relationships with players and coaches and, and agents and the people who I wanted to have relationships with better than I had in my previous five years or four years, because I felt like it was, I was always running around at deadlines. It was a rat race mm-hmm. trying to make sure I got the notebook in trying to make sure I got this in on time. And it was just sweat, sweat, grind, work, work and valuable because it taught me how to do a lot of different things and allocate my time. But this has been more, advantageous to some of the things that I think are really neglected and important about what we do. Um, and not to mention, it was just a good family move. You know, I had, I had a, I had a son earlier in 2020. Um, and I wanted to, thanks man. (laughs) And I, you know, I wanted to be able to 
be around him as much as possible. And, you know, not just joining the athletic in 2019, that, that, that the help. And they were excellent in terms of, you know, affording me the time that I needed, but, you know, being able to take on this role is going to give me even more time. You're always on call when you're a beat writer, but now, you know, your hours are more um, uniform and, you know, with, when you have a child or when you're, you know, trying to, you know, be a parent, it's, it's just easier when you know exactly when you're going to be on and exactly when you're going to be off. You know, there's always going to be times in between where you have to do some stuff or you have to jump on and have conversations. But when you're on a beat, I, I don't know how anybody with kids does it, man. Cause it's just like, um, it's just tough. Like even, you know, when, I was still on the beat and I just had my son. Um, I was just, you know, when I first got back on the road, I was just thinking about him all the time. And it's like, I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? (laughs) (laughs) I think he was like, I guess he was maybe three months old when I was on the last road trip before, you know, the whole thing shut down. And I, you know, I got back from the trip and, I was scared to see him. Like I was scared to be around him. Cause I was like, you know, COVID was getting, you know, really starting to become a, a scare in, in the United States. And I just come from New York and Boston. And I was like, I'm scared to go see my son because I can't, I can't fathom how I'd feel if like I did this and got him sick. So I think though things happen the way they're supposed to do for reasons sometimes. And I think that this was kind of the way that it was, supposed to work for me in terms of um this juncture in my life kind of you know getting away from a from a daily beat and and focusing more on trying to progress my my career as an editor absolutely and it seems like you're super excited to take this next step and you know i'm sure your enthusiasm is going to kill it but i have one final question about your career before we move on to the next part of the interview here you mentioned um you know how important it was to get connected with the black journalist organization and sort of how that helped jumpstart your career and just making those connections but as you've now progressed throughout your career how important have those making those connections and being a part of that uh become Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, I, I, I went to a small school in Atlanta called Oglethorpe University. That's on the north side of Atlanta. And one of my professors actually had me speak to her class a couple of weeks ago. And that was the thing I really tried to hammer to them. And I sent them a bunch of links, whether it was the Sports Journalism Institute or um, SJI. I mean, pardon me if I didn't get those that acronym right, but that's a really important program. You know, NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists. Um, you know, Associated Press Sports Editors. It's so important to get in front of people um, and and to let them know that you care about, you know, making yourself better, um, being humble, not going into these situations thinking that you know everything about journalism or that you're, you know, you're God's gift to writing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I think we all, anybody with any kind of talent probably goes through that phase at some point. But it's important to get in front of people who've done it before so to where you can understand what it takes to get there because you're not going to just get to where you want to go by just being good. Mm-hmm. You've got to get to where you want to go by you know, being talented, consistently working at it, but also knowing the people who have gotten there already. 
because those people are going to be able to vouch for you when it comes time for you to take that next step. Um, and, you know, showing people that you have made the effort to be in the place, to be in front of these people that are, that, that matter in the business. Um, you can't be afraid to introduce yourself to anybody. You can't be afraid to say, Hey, I'm this kid from this paper. That circulation is less than 10,000 people. Like I was scared when I went to NABJ. I was like, dude, these people are in way better suits than I am. They all know each other. I'm like sweating profusely because it's Orlando. Um, I can't get my resume printed at this FedEx Kinko's and I'm having all kinds of issues. Like I was having a really stressful time and I finally got to the point where I was like, stop worrying about like how you look and just, just start talking to people. Stop being, stop, stop being in your shell and just start making conversations with people and see what happens. Because I've always been confident enough in myself to say, if I can get in the room with somebody, mm. then they'll see that I'm a quality and, and I'm about my business and, and I'm a, and I'm a good worker and I can bring value to whatever they're trying to accomplish. The, the, the hard part for me was always trying to figure out, um, you know, how to do that, like how to get in front of people, how to get that opportunity, how to get past that first phone call or that first email. But I knew that once I did, then that there wasn't going to be much stopping me. So I, I tried to tell these kids, man, and it's hard to like have perspective when you're 21 or, or 20. And especially in like COVID times where we have limited access to be able to actually go up and have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. So I tried to give them the tools and the websites to say, look, you can't be bashful, man. I waited, I waited way too long to get down the road of, you know, going up to be confident enough to, to be confident in myself. So the earlier you can be confident in yourself while also, you know, having some humility as well and striking that balance, uh, I think is the best way to go about it and and the best way to progress, you know, not just in journalism, but frankly, in any field of life, Um, Mm. you you just gotta, you gotta be confident in yourself, but, but also put yourself in front of the right people to where you can't be ashamed to, to have help and for people to, to help you get to the steps you want to get to. All right, we'll move on to the last part of the interview here, Eric. So first and foremost, I am curious, out of all your years of experience, was there any one particular story that you remember, especially as one of your favorites that you've written or even edited? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's a particular story, but I've written a number of stories about um, Andre Robertson. And I don't know if you're familiar with Andre Robertson, but he's a guy who um, you know, played for the Thunder for seven seasons. And, you know, he's, he's a free agent now. And he's a guy who suffered a really horrific knee injury. Um, and I think 2018, yeah, it was a 2017, 18 season, but, you know, just writing about him, his family, uh, his road back. You know, he played for the first time in two years in the Orlando bubble. And I think that he's a guy who, when I came on the beat, you know, he was a guy who I, I get kind of emotional thinking about him. He was, he wasn't very, he wasn't as good as the, with the media as he 
quickly became, and you could see him grow and mature into a leader on that team. Mm. And when he got injured, he was at the peak of his of his of his um, career. Like he was arguably the best perimeter defender in the league. He was a guy who completely changed the way that the Thunder could play defensively. Um, he notoriously had a lot of offensive limitations, and he, like he just didn't. It was not a very good jump shooter, um, but he was a guy who sacrificed a lot for that team. And, you know, it took him a really long time to even get back on the court. So for me, like writing about him throughout that process, writing about him this summer, you know, speaking to his family and hearing about his story and, and, and what it took, it was just really, that's the thing that I guess sticks with me the most. I, I guess it's, there's not really a particular story that I think about, but I think about people. Um, I think about him and he's just a guy who like really, really like his career and, and the way it's, it's happened has just really stuck with me. So he's a guy who I'll, I'll always remember as being one of my favorite people to, to be around. Absolutely. He seems, I've heard that uh, sentiment echoed by a lot of the Thunder writers right when he uh, came back from, uh, for, 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 for the bubble there. It was uh, great to see him. Um, secondly, you spent five years about covering the Thunder as a beat writer. Uh, what is your favorite NBA arena? Oh, man. Um, there's different stuff that goes into that. Like, for, like, fans, I don't know if I've ever been in a better atmosphere than, like, Philly. When Philly's good, that is a that is a collegiate atmosphere. And collegiate in the sense that, like, their fans are really engaged um they are i mean they they are very um unruly uh, <laughs> but <laughs> nice way to put it there's there i guess there there and then there's the other sense where when you're just in the building it just feels different in terms of like the history and and and, and what's happened there and the banners and things like that that would be like Madison square garden um, the United Center, um, those places you look around and you're like, wow, I write about the NBA for a living. And this is a place where a lot of incredible things have happened. Mm. Like those are the places I think of, but like the total experience in terms of like, um, you know, being a media member, um, being able to access the locker room, access the media room, get a good meal, um, good sight lines, um, uh, the total experience I'd say is like little Caesars arena in Detroit. And I know that that's probably like sounds weird to a lot of people, but they really have, I guess it's been open for maybe two or three years now, but they've really done a really good job of making the media experience just ideal. And, and anybody you talk to has been there will say they have the best media meal in the league and we love free meals. So it's just, <laughs> it's like, pizza and soft serve ice cream and cherry coke and comfort meals and there's also your salad bar and your your oh, wow. uh, chicken tenders and all like you can there's just so much variety and so much quality stuff and it's like right next to the visitors locker room and then the visitors locker room is right around the corner from the media seating area it's really it's just really convenient and and really cool so just depending on what you're looking for, you can get uh, a different experience, uh, you know, everywhere. For yeah. what you value, I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
Little Caesars was definitely an unexpected choice, but I mean, with that kind of variety for the food, it's an easy choice. But while we're on that subject, I am curious as a guy who's lived in Oklahoma, around Oklahoma City for a long time, um, have you gotten a go-to place to eat in OKC yet? Oh, gosh almighty. Um, I always feel like I'm I'm, (laughs) I always feel like I'm obligated to like shout out friends because um, I I have friends in the restaurant business. Um, I love Guana Grill, which is, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of like a Tex-Mex kind of situation. I love Tex-Mex food. I know people are probably going to crap on me for that, but whatever, I don't care. <laughs> um, another great place is Goro, which is a ramen place that's in the Plaza District, um, probably now in the Paseo District because of COVID. And I think they've condensed with their other restaurant, which is called Gun. Uh, they do they do really good food, and I love wings and stuff. So, uh, chicken beer is a good place too, where I used to play trivia with my friends before COVID, uh, where we'd always eat wings on Thursdays and trivia. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma City's grown a lot um, in the past, you know, decade or so, or, or I guess the twelve years since the Thunder's been there. And I think the Thunder played a big part in that because they kind of revitalized you know, the downtown area in terms of having something to kind of congregate around this young, exciting team. And you just saw the downtown area kind of grow with the thunder. And um, I think that, you know, the city and the residents um, kind of owe a little bit to the thunder in in that regard. And, and, you know, the thunder take a big responsibility um, in kind of enriching the community and making sure that like the community is um you know progressing and, and and making sure that you know they're doing their part to to help make the, the the community and the state better and i think they've done a really good job of that definitely and i think any place that's called chicken beer is a place that i want to go to chicken beer is <laughs> fantastic man they have they have a great like uh honey lemon pepper like it is it is fantastic so if you ever get to oklahoma city make sure to try that out i most certainly will and then finally, I have uh, my last question for you for this interview here. I caught you in an interesting time in your career where you're right about on the verge to embark on kind of a whole new chapter here. So sort of looking forward as you move from your beat writing to your editing, what are you hoping to get out of this position professionally over the next however many years that you're going to be doing it? Oh, you know, like it, it's, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm to the point in my career where I've had enough experiences to where I can lead teams. Um, that I can lead the direction of, you know, coverage and, and, and where, you know, an organization wants to take it. Um, and I feel confident that I've been around enough smart people to where, um, you know, I can help, I can help make somebody's coverage quality. Um, and I think I've, I've done that with the athletic. I've done that with the Oklahoman, mm. um, done that with the Ardmorite, done that with score Atlanta. Um, so I think that, you know, that's important to me. Um, Somebody asked me when I worked at the Oklahoma what my dream job was. This was very early in my career there when I was still a web editor. And I think I told them at the time, like, I don't know, because, you know, the the the, the industry is evolving so rapidly. Like the job that I thought I might want to do forever, I might change my mind about that. But even more than that, the job that I'm that I might be doing that I've, I run into that becomes my dream job might not exist yet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, when I was when I was young and, you know, I was going out to get the paper in the morning and read about sports, I didn't know there were web editors. I didn't know that was a thing. And there probably wasn't a thing in 2000 or 2001 that you could be a guy that could write about sports on the internet and, and, and edit people's work and, and chase breaking news stories and things like that. So I, I think I'll always remember that is I, I don't know what my dream job is. Um, and, but I know that I'm working in a field that I believe is, you know, a fulfillment of a dream. Um, this was something that I wanted to do at a young age and I don't know how my role is going to evolve, but I believe that I can lead and, and, and I can do quality work in whatever role I take on next. So, um, I think that's kind of where I am with that. Well, all right. That's as good as an answer as it gets. Thank you, Eric. It has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you being open and honest with all of your answers. And I'm sure there's a lot of great advice to be taken from this from any young, uh, young journalists out there. So thank you again for agreeing to come on. <laughs> no problem, Liam. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course. And as always, thank you, listener, for tuning in. I'm your host, Liam McEwen, signing off.